This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Yes, this is the Subway to Shea podcast, episode 22. Anthony Rivera here with you, talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. Please also take a few minutes, write me a review, let me know what you think of the show, things that you like, things that you don't like. I'd love to know how to make this show even better for all you Met fans out there. And you can also find Subway to Shea on YouTube. This podcast is available every Thursday on the HSP Network. Catch me alongside podcasts like The Bullpen with DA, Third Floor Lounge, which covers the NFL and NBA, Sus Talk, and the return of the High Spot Podcast, which covers all things professional wrestling. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash High Spot Podcast and make sure to subscribe today. Big thanks and shout out to Al Cintrone, who joined me last week. You can follow him on Twitter at OneInfamousToL, where he gives his infamous takes on the Mets, the Knicks, and the Washington football team. He is also a contributor for the Seven Line, so please check out his work there. Thanks, Al, and can't wait to have you on the show again. We're definitely going to do it sometime soon. Joining me now on the Subway to Shape podcast is Jake Giblin, contributor for The Rising Apple, a New York Mets site that's part of the fan-sided network. He is also the co-host alongside my first ever guest on Subway to Shea, Elizabeth Moratori of the Cohen's Corner, a Mets-focused podcast. This week, we're doing a little bit of cross-promoting as I was featured on their show, which you can listen to on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, basically the same stuff that you can find my podcast on. Jake, how you doing, buddy? I'm great, Anthony. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, This is going to be fun. So let's get right into it. From one Jake to the Jake. Jacob DeGrom chasing history this past weekend in Colorado. Dude, nine strikeouts in a row. The first time, I guess, since Tom Seaver had gotten so close to his 10 straight strikeouts, which was a major league record. It's the second straight game for Jacob DeGrom with 14 Ks, 35 total on the season. Finally gets a win. He's 1-1 with a .45 ERA. And Jake looked a little off to start the game, missing location. But then he settled down. What do you make of how Jake is just able to adjust, settle down, and pitch through adversity daily? in and day out it's really a sight to see i mean like you said he kind of got off to a rough start you could see he was kind of grimacing a little in the first couple innings and he was still throwing like 99 98 but he just he something looked a little off and then it seemed like he found it and it was just amazing i know a couple times before this game he had struck out eight in a row but to strike out nine in a row and even come that close to Seaver's record of 10 it's just incredible and like you said it's just great that they finally got him a win after it seems like they're never able to score for him and what they did against miami and lost that game and when jake only gave 
gave up one run. And the fact that they could come back and get that win in Colorado, it was really nice to get him a win. And he was as dominant as ever. And it's just so fun to watch. I know he, I think it was in his rookie season where he started off the game. I remember they were wearing their camo uniform, but he started off the game with eight strikeouts. And it's hard to even explain what we watched because those nine strikeouts in a row were like, like it's just masterful what we saw. And to think that he was just one shy of Tom Seaver's record of 10 straight, and that's a major league record, is just amazing how he continues to inch closer to what Tom Seaver was for the Mets. It's incredible. And I guess you could say he basically is this generation's Tom Seaver for the fans that are coming up watching him and us that we get to watch him. Obviously, we didn't get to see Seaver pitch. And it's just it's amazing to see how dominant he is. And it just seems like he's getting better and better with his age going up. It's just something we've never seen before. And I expect him to continue it for years to come. He's also hit in each of his three starts. He's got a batting average of 571. He does it all, man. It seems like he would have to do it all just to keep the Mets in this game. Because once again, you know, the offense was until that final inning was pretty non-existent. It's like he can't even make the slightest of mistakes. Otherwise, he could be on the wrong side of a decision. So these mistakes and errors that took place in the fifth inning with Jeff McNeil and Michael Conforto, it was just a couple of bad plays. Then Jake gave up a home run towards the end of that inning, but none of them counted as earned runs because of the errors. So his ERA stays at .45. You know, the Mets finally did something for him. You know, they came back for him with the Pete trimming the lead with his solo home run and then in their final turn at bat you know James McCann gets a single he gets pinched run for by Albert Amore Jr. and then Jonathan VR who's been great off the bench hit a pinch hit double to tie the game Lindor gave them the lead with his first big hit of his Met career and then you just put that Jake win in there man it's nice to see that Edwin Diaz closes it out striking out the side how relieved were you to finally see the rest of the team come through for Jake because he has not received any support and this is going on three years now. It was great to see, and you touched on that Almora pinch ran for McCann, and it's nice to see Almora get to contribute a little bit because not so much his fault, but he hasn't really been able to see the field so far this season besides being a defensive replacement. But yeah, it was a great slide he had too on that. It was a great relay throw from Blackman to McMahon down to the plate, and yeah, it was just a great slide by Almora, and it was nice to see Lindor come through with that hit to give them the lead. And uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a great win, and kind of when Jake gave up those unearned runs, I don't know, I kind of felt like this was just going to be one of those same old Mets games where they don't score for him so it was just nice for him to finally get a win in a game that he did pitch really well but he gave up more runs than he usually does even though they were unearned but yeah it was just it was a great team win and just a great weekend in Colorado and you can see with Lindor's hit just how pumped he was after that even in the Sunday game how pumped he was for the last out of that game as well he just radiates leadership to me and he might not be hitting as well at the moment, but his defense and, you know, just his attitude on the field has been very important for the start of this Met so far. His attitude has been amazing. And yeah, when he got that hit the other day, you see him running down the line, yelling at his dugout, pumping them up and then. Yeah, when McCann made that great throw yesterday to throw out Story, it was almost even before Lindor finished the tag, he was pumping his fist. It was kind of like a Javi Baez-esque type tag. And yeah, it was just great to see. I love his defense. I love the energy that he brings to him and the leadership that he's been displaying even early in spring training, helping J.D. Davis with his fielding. And yeah, it's just been great. And he's been as great as advertised. And obviously his hitting will come along, but yeah, he's been fun to watch so far. So we go from Jacob DeGrom, the ace of the teams, to a guy who's really making a bid for being 
missing a legit second, and that is Marcus Stroman on Sunday, man. He was on fire through another gem. Eight innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, five strikeouts. This season, he's 3-0 with a .90 ERA. What do you think is working so well for Marcus to start this season? Well, first off, his his cutters look great. I mean, yesterday, the way he was working in his cutter and even, that, I guess it's a, a split change he's got now that he's incorporating into his yeah. uh, repertoire. But yeah, he just looks so confident on the mound and the defensive play he made yesterday. I mean, he scared me a little bit with that throw, getting it over to Pete. That's got to be such a helpless feeling for Pete waiting for that ball to roll over to him. But what an amazing play behind his back. And he's another one that just brings this swag and energy to this team that it feels like it's kind of been lacking throughout the years. And he's been at the top of his game. He's so confident and nice to see a pitcher today that doesn't really have to rely on the strikeout he's kind of a ground ball contact guy and he gets the job done in different ways and he changes up his motion and yeah he's he's another one that's just been pleasant to watch him pitch and I'm excited to see what he can do for us in the future and it must be great for him to play alongside and learn from Drake as well you know watching the both of them pitch with different styles has been such a pleasure like you mentioned before you know Jake he gets a lot of strikeouts. Stroman, ground ball all day. So it's a two different varying styles, but both getting it done. Do you agree with what you've seen from them both? Yeah, it's it's been great. And I mean, even early in the spring, Marcus was touching on that he loves watching Jake's bullpens and learning from him. And he said it, and we all know it. Jake's the best pitcher in the world. So who's better to learn from, from him, you know? And then, I mean, Marcus has been a really good pitcher even before he came to the Mets. He was an all-star with Toronto and he had a lot of great moments there. But yeah, it's great to see them feed off of each other and and learn from each other and it's only going to make them better in the long run and I don't know if I've seen such a dominant start between your top two pitchers especially in my Mets history I guess I is the best way to term it but combined they are four and one right now 0.67 ERA combined three earned runs in 40.1 innings pitched it's been absolute dominance man it's incredible and when you think about it when Syndergaard and Carrasco return it's feasible that you could consider Stroman your fourth starter which is wild to think about and it's no knock on him it's just how great our staff has the potential they have towards the end of the year when we get all our guys back and yeah it's, it's just been great and they've been so dominant the two of them and obviously they're probably not going to keep it up at this pace but just yeah it's awesome and with the way our starting pitching was so bad last year I mean it's it's a nice sight to see with how dominant they've been and keeping us in games because honestly the offense hasn't really done much and without the starting pitching we'd really be in a pretty deep hole right now once again I'm here with Jay Giblin contributor for the Rising Apple and co-host of Cohen's Corner you mentioned the offense so let's get into that they have not been great whatsoever, and I've been destroying them on Twitter or, you know, I, I've been hard on them. Let's let not destroying, but I've been hard on them for these seven games. And I know it's early. The repetitions aren't there. But this weekend, we've seen a little bit, some signs of life from Michael Conforto, from Pete Alonzo, multiple hit games. They've moved Conforto to the fifth and sixth slot, which I think is perfect for them. You have to hope that this team is finally getting out of their funk as a whole, right? Yeah, I agree with you, and I definitely agree with you that Conforto should be in that fifth, like sixth, fifth or sixth spot, whatever way you want to put it with him or McNeil. But, I mean, I don't like Conforto in the three-hole as much. I think Dom Smith is a great three-hole hitter. And I mean, you see what Conforto did in Colorado this week. He had a couple hits that'll hopefully get him out of the funk. He lined a nice double in the right center. Yeah, and he looked pretty good. He had that uh, play in right field yesterday where the sun got in his eyes and he had to dive a little bit. That was a little scary. But, yeah, I mean, you know Conforto will come around. We've seen him long enough that... We know he's not this bad of a hitter. He's actually a very good hitter. And the offense had some nice situational hitting. I mean, with Pete hitting that home run Saturday to kind of get them back in the game. And then obviously they had that huge rally in the seventh. I mean, yeah, it was nice to see the offense come along. And this is one of the best lineups I've ever seen the Mets have in my lifetime. So I definitely expect the offense to turn it around. And if the pitching keeps pitching like this, I mean, it's going to be a really fun summer. Seeing 
Conforto in the three hole was not ideal. I don't think he was ever best there. I think his best stuff was hitting in the five or six hole. I think he hits over 300 when he hits fifth. Now, I know he's hitting after Alonzo, but hitting him before Alonzo and both of them are prone to the strikeout was just, it felt like automatic outs. Like even with a man on third, they couldn't get him over with a sacrifice because they were striking out so much. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, think about even in the first series of the year against Philly. I mean, it seemed like every time Conforto came to the plate, he had guys on, bases loaded, whatever. He just couldn't get the job done. And I'm, I'm sure it's so frustrating for a guy that's had as much success as Conforto's had, especially in clutch moments. Like, if you think about it, since he's come up, he's had a lot of clutch hits, whether you want to think against the Nationals. He had, he's had a couple of clutch hits against the Yankees. I mean, he, he's played really well. He had two home runs in one World Series game his rookie year. So, you know he's that clutch hitter, and it's got to be frustrating for him. But like you said, yeah, him and Alonzo are striking out left and right. I mean, I hope that doesn't continue. But yeah, I, I think they're going to be fine. And especially in a contract year, you would think Conforto is going to really turn it around. Speaking of clutch hitting, we have clutch hitting from the top of the order. Brandon Nimmo has been the best offensive player so far and great in the leadoff spot. Do you think it's time to consider Nimmo an elite player on this team and in the league? He's batting 477, his on-base percentage uh, 543, slugging 526. Is it time to consider him elite? Yeah, I would definitely from an offensive standpoint, I would definitely think it's time to consider him elite. I mean, look at his pretty much every year you can put him in for a 400 on base percentage. Almost every year he's up there and he almost leads the league almost every year. He's right there. And now that he's hitting, if he hits for a high average and yeah, I've always loved him as an offensive player and a spark at the top of the line. It's just obviously his defense has been questionable and he would be a very good corner outfielder. I just still don't think center field is the best spot for him, but I mean, where else are you really going to put him right now with the way this team's constructed and he's played okay so far in center and he's looked better. But yeah, I, from an offensive standpoint, I definitely think it's fair to consider him an elite hitter. And him too. He radiates that confidence, the smiles there. He's an enigma because people, they either love Brandon Nimmo or they can't stand Brandon Nimmo. I'm surprised at how many people are not fans of Brandon Nimmo. The guy plays hard every pitch. Uh, Even in walks, he's sprinting down to first base. So I'm just a little confused why people are not as fond of him as you would assume they would be. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he definitely can be kind of polarizing in that way, just that some people really don't like him. And I mean, especially fans from other teams. I mean, I guess they don't just don't like how happy he is, which is kind of a stupid reason to not like somebody. But (laughs) a lot of Mets fans, too, I bet. I mean, myself included, I had my sights set on George Springer and them signing him. And yeah, I wouldn't have given him the money he ended up getting. and He's hurt now. But yeah, I think that could also play into it, especially this offseason, that they wanted a true center fielder and they don't see Nimmo as a true center fielder. But honestly, what else are you going to do with the, no DH in the National League? You got to play Dom Smith every day. So he's going to be in left. You got to stick Nimmo in center. You need him in the lineup. He's leading the league in on base percentage and he could do that all year. So it would be foolish to not have him in the lineup and at the top of the lineup every day, which, I mean, on opening day, Rojas had him hitting, what, eight and had Pilar lead off. I didn't understand that at the time and I don't think we'll see that again. But yeah, that's probably why people are a little low on Nimmo just because they want a true center fielder, which obviously he's not really defensively but like we said he's definitely an elite hitter so let's go down the middle from center field to catcher even Jason McCann has been showing some life here at the plate but I wanted to bring up something different for another reason three months ago you wrote an article for Rising Apple about the Mets being smart to choose him over GT Riomuto why do you think that's so well so more so I mean I still feel this way but I mean with the contract Riomuto got I probably would have considered signing him at what he got 110 or whatever he got I would have I wouldn't have mind them going after him but I 
I mean, McCann's a solid catcher and something they haven't had in a long time. I don't know what you want to think back to. Paul LaDuca, maybe, and then go to Piazza. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he's so solid defensively. And what he showed so far, throwing out the runners he's thrown out to end the game yesterday. And he's had a few clutch hits. He had his first home run against Philly last week. So I think his offense is definitely going to come around. But just the framing and the confidence that his pitchers have in him to block everything, which, let's be honest, Wilson Ramos was not that. I don't think Wilson <laughs> Ramos is coming close to making that play against Colorado yesterday. He was. He's, we know what he is as a defender. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's just nice to see. And, I mean, even in his initial press conference, he was saying how he really cares about developing relationships with all his pitchers. It's not something we've really heard a lot of recently. So, yeah, he, he's just been great. And the defense especially, it's just been exceptional. And I think he, you got to give him a lot of credit for how well the pitching staff's been pitching because you got to have a lot of trust in your catcher. And they definitely have that. Yeah, I really feel that the defense, and he's improved over the years, his defense and his pitch framing this season is a big reason why this team's in first place. And the reason why the starting pitching, I mean, the bullpen has a lot less to be desired, but you know, we know what we were going into with them. But the starting pitching has been so good. Even Taiwan Walker, um, David Peterson, who had that rough, you know, first inning against the Phillies and has really had a hard time pitching against the Phillies. His second time around at home against the Phillies was his best pitching performance so far. And then you also have uh, Joey Lucchese. He struggled in part of his game, but he also has pitched pretty well besides that first inning. You got to give a lot up to McCann and even Tomas Nito, the two of them, because you know, you know, with Wilson Ramos, like you mentioned, he was not making the plays he was. His pitch framing wasn't great. And then Tomas Nito went down last year with an injury. So that definitely messed with the pitching staff and, you know, getting used to the one catcher. You know, when you have Wilson Ramos and, you know, Rob and Chirinos, that's not very successful for this team to go through. And with McCann and even Nito, it feels like we're heading in that right direction where games where maybe we would have lost 2-1, to one, we're now starting to win 2-1. to one. And I think the Mets are, is it 4-0 maybe now in one run games? Yeah. Yeah, McCann behind the play, like you mentioned, the framing, the defense, just an improving. And and you mentioned it in your article of how hard he worked and you saw him, I guess it was in in the dugout uh, trying to practice his swing and stuff like that. He's a very hard worker. Yeah, he's a really hard worker. And yeah, it was a, um, yeah, I was with my mom in Chicago in 2016. And at the time McCann was with the Tigers and they were, we went to go see the White Sox and yeah, that game ended up getting like rained out in like seventh inning and McCann started that game. And then as we're leaving the stadium, you could see, the visitors like batting cage and it's pouring rain it's not even really covered the cage and McCann's just in there taking hack after hack and I was standing there for a few minutes and I was kind of in awe like wow this guy just started game got rained out I mean he's still out here working trying to be better so I mean when they signed him that came right to my mind and yeah you want a guy like that that's going to be a workhorse and do everything he can to be as best as he possibly can so yeah I've loved everything I've seen out of McCann so far and he just seems he's another one that he's just a great leader and something the Mets have been lacking honestly since David Wright left the field I mean DeGrom can be a leader as much as he wants but he's only out there every fifth day so to have a couple guys on the field every day that are real leaders like that, it's it's really helping the team a lot. All right, Jake, before we wrap up here, let everyone know where they can interact with you on social media. You can talk about the podcast as well, where they could get that. Just let everybody know where they can um, you know, talk with you on uh, social media. Yeah, so you can follow me at Giblin underscore Jake on Twitter. I'm pretty active on there, given my Mets takes. They may not always be pretty accurate, but I say what I feel. And um, yeah, you can follow our podcast, Collins Corner, at Collins Corner Pod. And uh, we look forward to having you guys listen. And Anthony, thanks so much for having me on today. Man, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you can also catch this week. I'll be on your show. So it's nice that we cross-promoted this week. I really thought that that was a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, we loved having you on. So everybody go check that out and hear from Anthony. It was a really fun time we had. All right, Jake. Let's do it again. We'll do it again soon. And uh, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. 
Yeah, of course. Thank you. That was Jake Giblin, contributor for the Rising Apple, a New York Mets site that's part of the fan-sided network. He's also the co-host of the Mets Focus podcast called Cohen's Corner, alongside Elizabeth Moratori. And she was my first guest ever on Subway to Shea. You can listen to that episode in the log and history of my episodes on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, and wherever, you know, Spotify, all of them. And I'll mention them more later on as we end the show. Some final thoughts on today's show. We covered the Colorado series with Jake, but didn't mention the Phillies series as much, in which the Mets swept the doubleheader with solid pitching from Taiwan Walker and obviously Marcus Stroman, who decided to pitch even after throwing those nine pitches in that rainout game on Sunday against the Marlins last week. You know, what was most encouraging, though, from that series was the bounce back, and I mentioned this earlier with Jake, from David Peterson. He threw 80 pitches, six innings pitched, two hits, 10 strikeouts, one run, which was the Gene Segura home run, who he just crushes the Mets. He is like a Pat Burrell to the Mets right now, but by far his best pitching performance so far of his career. And he pitched very well. I was even encouraged in his first start of how he pitched following that four run first against the Philadelphia Phillies in Philadelphia, but he pitched very well. And I got to say the same thing for Joey Lucchese, who struggled in the first inning in Colorado, but settled down for the rest of the game. Now, I know he takes the loss and the Mets weren't hitting, but him bouncing back, he did a pretty good job, I think. And I think we're in pretty good hands here with the starting rotation with Jake, Stroman, you got Peterson, you got Taiwan Walker, you got Lucchese, and then you'll have Carrasco coming back soon, Syndergaard. This is going to be a fun, fun season if this starting pitching keeps this up. And if Carrasco and Syndergaard can give us, you know, 85, 90% of what they are, I think we are in for one heck of a season. And if the offense, the offense can finally pick it up, which I think they will, man, this team is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Now, let's give credit where credit is due because Edwin Diaz has been lights out this season. Two saves this weekend, two big saves. He struck out the side in the Jacob deGrom game and then comes back on Sunday and he gets a huge save for the two-to-one victory for Stroman. I know a lot of it helped by the McCann throwing to second base with the game-ending tag by Francisco Lindor, but the whole team was pumped. We mentioned this. So many leaders on this team. McCann, you have Francisco Lindor, you know, Conforto is a leader on this team. Pete, he's a big leader. Jake leads by example. You know, you got a lot of really talented players, and this is going to be a season for the record books, I think, and you can only enjoy this. I know we all get upset, and I do get upset too during games. Uh, You know, I'm a fan. I'm a fan first and foremost of this team, and I've been a fan ever since I was a little kid, and I get frustrated at sometimes, and I know you do, and it's okay. It's okay to be frustrated with this product, but at the end of the day, we gotta take away from the losses and move on to the next game. We've got a full season ahead of us, and this team can improve. They haven't even been able to get on a regular grind yet. They've had the snow issue. They've had rainouts, COVID, all of it they've been going through. And through all of that, through all of those issues, the Mets are still sitting in first place right now with great pitching, great defense, and I want to say timely hitting when needed in the games that they've won. You know, in the games that they've lost, they haven't really hit at all. But they've been 
doing very well and something that I think can benefit them. And I know you guys don't like the double headers. I see it talked about all over Twitter, Facebook, all over social media, the double headers, the seven innings, people don't like it at all. But the Mets can use this to their benefit. Now hear me out. This is good for the starters and the bullpen. If you have Jake who pitched on Saturday going the distance or even like a Marcus Stroman going those seven innings, you give rest to the bullpen. You don't have to use those guys and they can be fully rested. So I think also that this will benefit guys who have innings limits like a David Peterson who's still young, still kind of considered maybe in the rookie class and a guy like Noah Syndergaard who's coming back from Tommy John. He's going to have inning limits all over himself too. Because you can remember with Zach Wheeler and you had Matt Harvey, they had inning limits on them. So with these double headers, I think it really could benefit the Mets. I really do. And we'll see as the season goes forward, because we know we've got a couple of double headers already with Washington, with Philadelphia, and with Miami. Three sets of double headers so far. And we're only, what, two weeks into the season? Let's see if the Mets can use this to their advantage. Let's see them finally take advantage of some of the structure of what's going on in MLB. They're usually the ones on the outside looking in, but let's see if they can take advantage of these. Now, before I wrap up the show, please take a few minutes, write me a review, let me know what you think. I really appreciate all the positive reviews, and even if you send me a negative review, I will look over it and I will see how I can improve this show for you, because all you Met fans out there are very important to me, and I really appreciate your thoughts on this show. So please take a few minutes, write me a review, let me know what you think, maybe give me five stars if you really enjoy it that way subway to shake can go up there in the podcast in baseball and in new york mets podcast maybe we can climb the rankings up there so yeah just send me a review rate the show i mostly i think you could do it on apple Podcasts, which would be best and i really enjoy hearing from you so please get on that so we're gonna wrap up the show you can follow the show on twitter at Subway to Shea, listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on those notifications and never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. You can also find Subway to Shea on YouTube. This podcast is available every Thursday on the HSP Network. Catch me alongside podcasts like The Bullpen with DA, Third Floor Lounge, which covers the NFL and NBA, Sus Talk, and the return of the High Spot Podcast, which covers all things professional wrestling. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash High Spot Podcast and make sure to subscribe today. Well, Met fans, that will do it for this week's podcast. Always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea.